The European Parliament's first formal delegation to Taiwan met with President Tsai Ing-wen on Thursday. Tsai hailed the visit as a significant breakthrough for EU-Taiwan relations. The head of the delegation, Raphael Glucksmann, said Europe stood with Taiwan in the defense of freedom, uh, rule of law and human dignity. The European Parliament delegation sat with President Tsai Ing-wen on Thursday, marking a milestone for exchanges between Taiwan and the European Parliament. This marks the first time that the European Parliament has sent an official delegation to Taiwan. Thank you all for supporting our country and for making this highly significant visit. This visit shows how important the Taiwanese democracy is for the European citizens that we are representing. And we came here with a very simple, very clear message. You are not alone. Europe is standing with you, by you, in the defense of freedom and the defense of rule of law and human dignity. It is high time for the European Union to step up its cooperation with Taiwan. In recent months, the European Parliament has repeatedly demonstrated its support for Taiwan. Just last month, MEPs overwhelmingly adopted a report calling for enhancing political relations and cooperation with Taiwan. Last week, Foreign Minister Joseph Wu set off on a visit to Europe. Now, members of the European Parliament are in Taiwan to learn about Taiwan's approach to combating disinformation. And we came here to learn from you, to learn from your capacity of building such a strong democracy while being confronted with such a level of threats and interferences. As you know, the European Union is facing today very large-scale pervasive actions orchestrated by authoritarian regimes. We hope to establish a democratic alliance against disinformation. Over the past few years, the Global Cooperation and Trading Framework, or the GCTF, led by Taiwan, the United States and Japan, has continued to facilitate exchanges between more countries. Taiwan is also willing to share its experience in combating disinformation with our European friends. This will deepen our partnership and help safeguard the free and democratic way of life we enjoy. Both Taiwan and the European Union face foreign interference and threats, and their united in the goal of defending their democratic systems. Taiwan's efforts to protect its democracy have become a focal point for international relations. Well, Taiwan reported one local infection on Thursday, snapping its 10-day uh, streak of zero domestic cases. Health officials believe the patient was infected with COVID months ago. Let's hear from the CCC. The local case is a Taiwanese man in his 30s who developed fatigue, breathing difficulties and a loss of appetite on October 19th. His symptoms persisted and he eventually developed a fever, so he got tested on November 2nd. He was confirmed with COVID today with a CT value of 34. After coming into the hospital, he tested negative in a nucleic acid test, but tested positive for antibodies. From our current understanding, the fever came about as a symptom of a different disease. He resides in the Greater Taipei area. Going by the lab data, it seems that he is an old case. We think he may have contracted the disease in May, June or July, at the peak of the COVID outbreak in Taipei and New Taipei. He received one shot of the AstraZeneca vaccine in late August. In related news, bookings are now closed for AstraZeneca and Pfizer shots in the 13th round of vaccinations. 
About 50% of eligible people scheduled an appointment by the noon deadline on Thursday. The CCC has opened up an extra vaccination round offering first shots of AstraZeneca for people aged 18 to 49. About 276,000 people are eligible and appointments can be made until midday on Friday. Ahead of the 4-in-1 referendum on December 18th, Taiwan's top political parties are squaring off and taking positions. At a press conference on Thursday, the new power party came out against, re uh, against restarting work on the fourth nuclear power plant. In a radio interview, uh, Taipei Mayor Ke Wenzhe stumped for votes on behalf of his P Taiwan People's Party. And over in the DPP camp, party members uh, took to the streets of Taipei on bicycles to pass out campaign materials. They're off to pass out pamphlets. Taipei City Councilor Ran Zhaoxiong and three DPP councilor candidates are kitted out in delivery worker gear. They cruise down the streets of Taipei, doing their part for the DPP's referendum campaign. Riding our bicycles, we serve as delivery workers. We will promote the concept of the four disagrees in every street and alley of Taipei. With the DPP hitting the streets, the Taiwan People's Party isn't sitting idle. The party's chairman, Ke Wenzhe, accepted a radio interview Thursday morning in which he advocated for an affirmative note on two out of four referendum questions. Regarding the restart of the fourth nuclear power plant, he said that he personally opposed it, but he said that 70% of his party was in favor. I support terminating the fourth nuclear power plant project because in the event of a disaster, we would be unable to evacuate residents eight kilometers outside of the plant. However, there are differing opinions in the upper levels of the Taiwan People's Party, among our legislators and think tanks. With his party divided, Ke stopped short of advocating for a vote either way. At present, here's where each party stands on the referendum. The DPP wants voters to oppose all four proposals, while the KMT asks voters to agree across the board. The Taiwan People's Party started out with a policy of two agrees and two disagrees, but has since dropped the latter half. It now supports blocking pork imports and algal reef protection, while leaving ambiguous its stance on the fourth nuclear power plant and referendum scheduling. As for the new power party, it agrees with all the proposals except restarting construction on the nuclear power plant. Proponents of restarting the fourth nuclear power plant and retaining nuclear energy as we move toward our green energy goals, the discourse of such people ignores the safety of people's lives and property. The new power party made clear its opposition to restarting work on the fourth nuclear power plant. With weeks left to go before the referendum, the parties are launching their first salvos of a fiery campaign. The cabinet has passed a plan to subsidize businesses to help them deal with a mandatory minimum wage hike next year. The subsidies are open to companies hurt by COVID-19. They can receive $1,000 a month for each full-time employee who's paid up to $25,200. They can get $560 for each part-time employee who's paid up to $23,100. About 640,000 employees in Taiwan meet the criteria. Let's hear from the economics ministry. The purpose of this program is to subsidize the cost of minimum wage hike. Employers can get 1,000 NT for each full-time employee and 560 NT for each part-time employee. 
This subsidy plan will cover industries affected by the pandemic, such as the service sector. It will even cover industrial and manufacturing businesses affected by the pandemic. Besides including for-profit entities with company registration, business registration and taxation registration, the plan also includes enterprises that have obtained the necessary licenses from the competent authorities, such as cram schools and performance troops. The precondition is that their overall revenue in September and October must be at least 20% less than the same period last year. The plan will subsidize salaries for six months, from January to June next year. And starting January 1st, 2022, Taiwan's basic wage will go up 5.21%. The monthly wage will go up to 25,250 NT dollars. Uh, the hourly wage will rise to 168 NT dollars. A new exhibition has opened at the National 228 Memorial Museum. Artist Zhang Yihang spent 36 years painting true events from the February 28th incident in which thousands of civilians were killed. For most news reporter, Stephanie Yang meets the artist. The man in the painting kneels with a resolute expression as he faces impending torture. These paintings are by Taiwanese artist Jiang Yi Hung. He spent more than 30 years creating this collection. My creation probably started in 1985. That was probably around the time when Taiwan social movements and democratic movements started. The content is conveyed symbolically, suggestively, metaphorically, and as poetry. There were many young people in Taiwan during that time. When the KMT moved to Taiwan, their ignorance of Taiwan's historical milieu created a great gulf between them and the people, which led to the massacre. So after the young people were slaughtered, their bodies drifted to the beach. I drew them to express the helplessness and sorrow of that period. In the picture, there's a little moon in the distance, which represents hope. The exhibition features 34 paintings and two installation artworks based on true events. For example, this installation was inspired by a drawer owned by a victim. Jiang visited several victims' families to conduct interviews. For the installation art pieces, I wanted to tell true stories. One of the installation pieces is this drawer. One victim placed his suicide note in it. Afterward, his family members went to organize his things and discovered that his suicide note was in it. I used this true story and converted it into my painting and put my words in the drawer. This artwork has to do with the subjectivity of Taiwan's history. From October 22nd to December 12th, 34 paintings and two installations will be on display at the National 228 Memorial Museum. Jiang hopes his art will not only preserve the memories of victims' families, but also expand the public's understanding of the 228 incident. For most news, Stephanie Yang, Huang Pengyu in Taipei. The Pentagon has released its latest annual report on China's military capabilities. It says the PLA wants to have the power to force Taiwan to negotiate by 2027. When asked to comment on the report, the head of Taiwan's intelligence agency said his country will never negotiate with China under military coercion. This July, China revealed that it had practiced cross-sea island landings off its southeast coast, highlighting its ambitions to take Taiwan. In the Pentagon's latest report on China's military power, the U.S. said that China may first try to seize Taiwan's outlying islands. The report said that by 2027, China plans to have the military capabilities to force Taiwan to negotiate on Beijing's terms. Based on 
my analysis of China, I don't think that it is likely in the next near future being defined as you know, 6, 12, maybe 24 months, that kind of window. Uh, having said that, though, uh, the Chinese are clearly and unambiguously building the capability to provide those options to the national leadership if they so choose at some point in the future. U.S. General Mark Milley said the U.S. does have the ability to defend Taiwan if necessary. Do we have the capability to defend Taiwan? Uh, we absolutely have the capability to uh, do all kinds of things around the world to include that if required. Over at the legislature, the head of Taiwan's intelligence agency was asked whether China may force Taiwan to negotiate by the year 2027. Using military might to force negotiation is one of China's strategies. We are willing to negotiate with them politically on the basis of law. But we will not negotiate with them under military duress. That's impossible. We Taiwanese will assert ourselves. Even the small have dignity. You see that during President Tsai's tenure, nothing will happen between the two sides of the strait. Is that to say that during President Tsai's tenure, the CCP will not attack Dongsha Island? The scenario of capturing Dongsha and forcing Taiwan into negotiations, our assessment is that it will not happen during President Tsai's tenure. I will be forthcoming with you, lawmaker. They have already debated it internally. The Pentagon report also sharply raised its estimate of China's nuclear arsenal. It projects that China will have 1,000 warheads by 2030. On Thursday, KMT lawmaker Johnny Chang asked the intelligence chief whether these nuclear weapons were a threat to Taiwan. I think if a nuclear attack were to happen, it would be a tragedy for the people on both sides of the strait. It is very clear, the CCP's goals are in black and white. It wants to annex Taiwan, which is one of the three great historical missions of its party and state. We are not afraid of war, but we must strengthen our national defense capabilities. Positioned on the front line of China's military expansion, Taiwan will never give in to pressure nor provoke war, officials say. They call for fortifying defense forces to let the world see Taiwan's resolve to protect itself. So next week, Chang'an Memorial Hospital will hold a clinical trial on mixing vaccine brands in booster shots. The study will target high-risk groups who have been fully vaccinated with AstraZeneca for at least three months. These will include frontline medical workers and airline crew. The goal is to recruit 400 subjects who will be divided into four groups. Three groups will each receive a booster shot of Pfizer, Medigen or Moderna. The fourth group will get half a dose of Moderna. Moderna. Researchers will check up on the subjects one, six, and 12 months after inoculation. The CCC says it will share immunity and safety data when it's available. It's said that for the time being, there are no plans to offer mixed booster shots to the general public. A new promotion in Wanghua will reward blood donors with restaurant discounts throughout November. Three restaurants are involved in the project, giving away chef-made meals to blood donors in an effort to replenish depleted blood banks. To claim your reward, you just have to produce your callback card, which proves you are a blood donor. A rich meat sauce is topped with a soft poached egg. With a side salad and an iced tea, this set meal is almost 200 NT. But if you present your blood donor card, you can get 100 NT off. 
This fresh tiramisu is made in the traditional way, with ladies' fingers soaked in espresso, lathered in mascarpone cream, and dusted with a delicate halo of cocoa powder. Normally up to 100 NT, it's on the house for blood donors. We calculated the costs of the ingredients, and I think it's great to do something for the wider good. And the blood banks need blood right now, so let's encourage people to donate more. It's driving customers into the restaurant, and I think it's great. You get 100 NT off. It's a lot. I think it will attract quite a lot of people. Previous promotions for blood donors included milk and toilet paper. Now, with a wave of your callback card, you can get a full meal. The driving force behind the project is a real estate firm in Taipei's Wanhua District. This estate broker was moved to start a Wanhua community project after the district was hit by COVID in May. Blood donors can head to any participating restaurant throughout November, no matter where they donated blood. Each restaurant has 50 discounted meals to give away. We've all felt the impact of the pandemic, whether in real estate or in any industry. And Wanhua was deeply injured, so we thought we would use a very down-to-earth thing, which is easy for everyone to do, which is giving blood. Three restaurants are involved in the project. One is offering a 100 NT discount voucher, while the other two are offering special meal promotions, including salt chicken with vegetables, cold or fried noodles, and side dishes. Chefs hope that after the public gives what they can to the blood bank, they'll take time to sit down, enjoy a good meal, and regain their strength. Taiwanese researchers have identified a new species of freshwater crab. They've named it Geothalfusa boreas. Its habitat is mountainous areas of northeastern Taiwan. The animal was first discovered in 1994, but researchers have only now been able to verify that it's a species of its own. Their findings have been published in the New Zealand Zoological Journal, Zootaxa. Nanao Shenmi Lake, known locally as Ghost Lake, is a forested area home to a rich biodiversity. Recently, Taiwanese researchers identified a new species in this ecosystem, a freshwater crab. Shenmi Lake is located in the Nanao Broadleaf Forest Nature Reserve. It's a protected nature reserve as defined by the Cultural Heritage Preservation Act. The whole area has to be preserved, and human alterations are prohibited. The new freshwater crab species was first discovered and collected in 1994 by a professor from National Zhongxing University, but it wasn't identified as a species of its own until now. Back then, there weren't enough specimens to determine whether it was a new species. Researchers from National Ilan University, National Zhongxing University, and National Penghu University of Science and Technology worked together to determine whether the crab was a new species. Through long-term studies and observation, and by comparing morphological features and molecular evidence, the animal was confirmed to be previously unidentified. The crab's distribution is to the north of the Xueshan Range and the Central Mountain Range, including the Fushan Botanical Garden, the Dakin Bridge in Suao, Shenmi Lake, and Tongshan in Ilan. It has been found at altitudes between 740 and 1,800 meters. The research team know the fauna very well. They just so happen to see the Geothalfusa boreas. When animal researchers see an animal they don't know, they all rush to investigate. 
The special thing about the Geothelfusa boreas is that you can only find freshwater species of its genus in Japan and Taiwan. The genus has a total of 56 species, 39 of which can be found in Taiwan. The discovery of the new freshwater crab species highlights the importance of conducting ecological surveys in Taiwan, which is home to a vast and diverse array of species. So let's head now to Kaohsiung for a sweet interlude. There's a special dessert shop in Sanming Market, uh, which will transport your taste buds back more than half a century. Zhou Zhen uh, Lin serves up an array of handmade desserts, just like his father did many years ago. Toasted mochi are an irresistible item on the menu, but as we'll see, they're just the tip of the sweet iceberg. A pot of creamy colored mochi bob around in sugar water. This ice shop in Sanmin Market sells desserts made to traditional recipes, the same as they were made many decades ago. We use glutinous rice to make the mochi. We soak it for two hours before drip drying it, letting it dehydrate, and then kneading it into balls by hand like this. Shop owner Zhou Zhenlin inherited these specialty sweet recipes from his father. The toasted mochi are scrumptious, hot or cold, the perfect dessert all year round. We've been doing this handmade recipe from my dad for 60 years. I'm the second generation. I follow the classic methods my dad used back in the day. To this day, I've never changed them from how he taught me. Many shops are constantly changing recipes in an attempt to keep up with fashions or adapt to palettes with short attention spans. But Joe is proud his mochi are a trip back in time. It's a taste that has remained unchanged and kept some customers company from childhood into age. I knew this place since I was a little kid. I've been coming here for many years. Their stuff's delicious. The tongyun are good too. And the tongyun soup. And the toasted mochi. Every time I have a day off, I always come here and buy something from him. For more than 10 years, I guess. It's very Moorish. The shop is also famous for his babao being a mix of bold treats, including sweet tangyuan dumplings, taro balls, fruits, nuts, you name it, they have it. Many ingredients are handmade by Zhou himself. There are ices in summer, grass jelly in winter. Zhou says there's no reason to mess with a menu this sweet.